please hold. Your call will be answered when the line is available. Welcome to Gotta Take This on WLUR Lexington. I'm Crawford Humphreys. He is Cole Heisner. Today marks a big day for our podcast. This is the first time we are airing our show on WLUR Lexington, Washington and Lee's student radio network. A huge thank you goes out to Jeremy Franklin, who took this from an idea that Cole and I have thrown around many times before to what it is today as a podcast on many different platforms and a radio show officially on WLUR. A huge thank you goes out to him as he navigates the COVID situation and incorporates a full schedule of, of programming. Hats off to him and the great job he is doing over there, turning this show into what it is today. We are very excited to get started. Just a little introduction. I'm Crawford. He's Cole. I'm a junior at Washington and Lee. Cole is a senior. And we try to provide a little bit of like offbeat sports coverage. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of a, not your typical sports center uh, run-of-the-mill sports analysis. We kind of like to look from look at things from a different view. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you, yeah. You can get your scores at ESPN. You can get them at you know FS1. You can get them online. Um, and come here. We'll kind of provide a little spin on them. Uh, give you a little something to think about, and hopefully, you know, you'll agree. Uh, even though we don't always agree. We got a full slate of things to talk about today, including a full weekend of NFL and college football. But we begin today with the Eastern Conference Finals, and arguably the hardest topic that Cole and I have ever had to talk about on this podcast as we deliver a eulogy for the 2019-2020 Celtics season. Uh, the Boston Celtics were eliminated in six games by the Miami Heat. They were knocked out of the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Miami Heat now move on to the NBA Finals themselves, where they will hit, where they will face the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. Now, before we talk about the Celtics, and we have a lot of takes, yeah, believe us on that, we got to give credit where credit is due. The Miami Heat played a heck of a series. Uh, they out-disciplined the Celtics. They out-hustled the Celtics. They just flat-out wanted it more yeah. from what we saw on television. Yeah. Um, and the Heat outplayed the Celtics plain and simple. I think yeah. we can both agree on that. Yeah. Duncan Robinson and, and Bam Adebayo, as well as Tyler Hero, solidified themselves as, as the future talent of the NBA. Jimmy Butler... Prove that he can lead a team on his own without any big superstars. And Eric Spolstra put himself back into the conversation for best coach in the Eastern Conference or one of the top coaches in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. Um, after a little bit of a, of a dip after the in the post-LeBron James era. But this team flat out just bullied the Celtics in six games. Absolutely. A couple, of, a couple of strong games by Jason Tatum and company, but for the most part, the Heat were in control and never looked back. Yeah, they've been in control all postseason, honestly. I kind of I felt like, you know, even when they win a couple games against Milwaukee, you kind of think, okay, you know, it's a fluke. Uh, they closed that series out pretty easily. Um, and then playing the Celtics, you know, it, it really felt like even when they were up 3-1 that, okay, now the Celtics are going to kick it into gear and the Heat are in trouble. Um, it's just not been the case. No matter who they play, who's, you know, more talented on paper, uh, the Heat are just playing really well, and it, I think it's. We'll talk about this later, but it's easy to write them off as you know against the Lakers. But they've they've been written off, you know, in their last two series against really good teams, and they've delivered strongly. It, the, both series haven't been close against two of the NBA's top teams. 
The story of Game 6 was something that we have seen from the Celtics many times this series. They floundered down the stretch. They were outscored 35-17 to in the last nine minutes of play. Uh, it's impossible to win with those numbers. No. Uh, but a trend that we saw frequently throughout the series. Uh, and from what I saw, it seemed like there was a lack of a clear game plan. Mm-hmm. The Celtics had trouble breaking the Heat's zone defense. Yeah. They themselves had trouble on defense guarding the Heat's pick and roll with, with Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Um, there was so much hero ball being played, it seemed like. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. both all feeling like they had to take matters into their own hands. Kemba Walker as well, feeling yeah. like they had to take matters into their own hands yeah. um, and try and deliver something instead of running the Brad Stevens system that has been praised for so long by Boston fans. Yeah. Um, so where does this leave you? Do you think this is more of a coaching issue? Or are you, where, are you, where are you signing? Of course, I have my own opinions. I want to see what, where, you're, yeah. where you're at. Yeah, I think, you know, the Celtics, they're on a weird timeline. They've been on a weird timeline since, you know, uh, Brown and Tatum's just emergence in the last few years. Um, you know, Kyrie was a star trying to win now, and there were still young guys. Now the guys are older. Tatum is now the best player, in my opinion. Um, you can even, you can argue that Brown is the second best player ahead of Kemba, um, but you know those guys are still 22 and 23 years old, so it's it's still going really far for them. But then you add in Kemba Walker, you add in Gordon Hayward, both on max or near max contracts, and it's just a weird mix of guys who are coming into their own and win now, like guys in their prime. Um, I think they should have won. And to your point, you know what what's the issue? I don't. I, I think Kemba really needs to step up in this playoffs. I, I think he did not perform. You know, he's a guy, he's a huge liability on defense. He's a liability on the, the cap sheet, and he's making like $35 million. And if you can't play defense, you're making that much money, and then you're coming out and you're scoring 11 points, you're scoring 15 points, um, it's 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 tough to to see, you know, where your value is. I like Kemba a lot. Excited, really excited when they signed him. Um, but I think he needs to step up. I and, you know, I, I definitely think the zone was a problem and they had enough time to fix it and Brad didn't really fix it. That's that's one of the things that I noticed, too. They, yeah. The zone has been used since the first game mm-hmm. and it never seemed like the Celtics implemented a system offensively to break it. Yeah. On top of that, I feel like Brad didn't do a good job managing his timeouts, especially in game six. Mm. And there were a couple of, you know, key sequences where he subbed out guys while the Celtics were on runs, you know? Yeah. Taking out Gordon Hayward and Daniel Tice and putting in Brad Wanamaker, you know, those kind of substitutions, that doesn't help the team. You know, yeah. if you're on a roll, keep your same guys in. Yeah. But, um, and I also agree with you, before I get into my other point, I agree with you on, on Kemba Walker. I mm-hmm. think he provides the intangibles that Kyrie didn't as a leader in the locker room and a right. guy that is a team first player rather than a, you know, me first player. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a liability on defense and he really didn't show up offensively when we needed him. And yeah. he's the perfect guy to break that kind of zone because he's a guy that's going to drive inside and, and take shots. I yeah. didn't want him settling for threes. I didn't want any of those guys settling for threes. I know. You know, that's what got them those wins in the first place was driving in, getting points in the paint and outsizing the heat, which they did. You know, yeah. you were mostly playing small ball outside of Bam. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they, they really lacked on that front. But more importantly, I feel like this series really shows the clear needs that the Celtics have. They need veteran leadership. I think that is one of the most important things that this team lacks currently. Right. Because they don't have anyone. It, it was so cool on the sideline with the Heat seeing Udonis Haslam. Right. You know, leading them. Andre Godala, another guy who stepped up, stepped up in game six. Yeah. The Celtics don't have that kind of lead. You can argue Hayward, but he's not the same kind of stature yeah. as in the playoffs. Andre Godala, who's been to the final six times, and Haslam, who won his own share of, of rings. Yeah. You need that kind of veteran presence that can center the guys and hold them down, especially in scenarios like this where 
the Celtics are blowing leads and just seem flustered and just can't get anything to, to work for him. Right. Yeah. You even see that on the Lakers with guys like Rajon Rondo. And obviously, LeBron James is probably the most, but yeah. he's also the best player in the world still. Mm-hmm. So you don't even think of him as that. But Celtics definitely lack that, where it almost felt like they didn't know what it took to get to the finals. Even if they were good enough to get there and with the Bucks eliminated, they were favored to get there. And, some, and by some people's account, to win the whole thing. Um, they just don't have that, that and the, exactly like you said, the intangibles. Kemba brings them as a veteran, but these were his first playoffs, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think another big gaping hole the Celtics have, too, is, is a clear post presence because the lineup or the rotation of, of Daniel Tyson, Ennis Cantor, and Robert Williams really isn't cutting it. Yeah. You can argue that Robert Williams has the most upside out of those three, given you know how long he's been in the league and, and how much potential he has. But I think this is a big offseason for the Celtics because this is a team that for so long us as fans Danny Ainge is a GM we've always talked about the pieces they have and the assets right they have draft picks they have you know younger guys that they're willing to move around now was the time to use those that you know use those assets we have a good draft selection this year I think it's 14th yeah from right. Memphis or something like that yes. some trade um and there, that's a chance to get a big guy. But at the same time, a lot of free agents available. Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside is a guy that we talked about before the show that we both like, mm-hmm. both have our, our eye on or make a trade, um, worst comes to worst. And I think they also need a shooter. I Seeing Duncan Robinson light yeah. up really showed me that the Celtics have a lot of all-around good players. We don't have that, like, spot up, that, like, Kyle Korver guy, that, you know, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Joe Harris is a free agent. I'm partial because I'm a UVA fan, but he's done great in Brooklyn. Um, he's a guy, too, that I could see wanting to get out of there once Kyrie and KD take hold because I'm sure he will soon get phased out of that rotation in favor of Karis LeVert and right. other guys. Yeah, didn't wait um, yeah. Exactly. So I think those are two big needs. as a center, a big man, and a, um, and a shooter. But not just any big man. We need a big man that can score because Tice is not providing it offensively. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are good points. I mean, you look at, like, Marcus Smart's light was as green as it comes in this series mm-hmm. and in this playoffs, and he delivered. He played well this playoffs, but um, he's just not a good enough shooter to be shooting anytime he's got a link exactly. of space. And, I mean, Tice, you know, props to him. He's a 6'8 guy playing against, you know, top he, centers. He killed it, defensively especially. Yeah, he, he holds his own, but it's just a glaring need. And if you plug in, like, a 7'1 guy, like Hassan Whiteside, who can get you three blocks a game, I mean – just a huge difference. That's someone who can, you know, uh, if Bam Adebayo, he's not getting 26 points a game in the series or wherever he scored. Um, and I, I think those would be, I think they're cheap options to fill those places. Um, and I definitely think Danny Ainge walking, watching these playoffs noticed it as well. And that's definitely where you could see a glaring problem with this team was Bam Adebayo going off. Yeah. Not only did the, the Celtics struggle containing him in the pick and roll, but Tice was just outsized. And but Bam is so much more athletic than Tice. It's credit to Tice. Great job on defense. Great job. Great rebounder as well. Yeah. But in terms of his offensive stat line and his defense against guys that are outsizing him and, and faster and quicker than him, he's not going to win that matchup. You know. Yeah. I don't like his tattoos either. <laughs> not a fan. And I think I, I think another another aspect of this it, it really showcases the importance of the draft because mm-hmm. Romeo Langford was was the first round pick for the Celtics last year and he had a, I guess a wrist injury arm yeah. injury in college, that, that yeah. sidelined him. For this playoffs, mm-hmm. but we haven't. We don't know what his potential is. We don't know how good he's going to transition into the league. I think he's been kind of a two-way guy as well. Yeah. So this could be a huge opportunity if the Celtics don't trade this pick. I like Jalen Smith. He's the guy that that a lot of mock drafts 
have going to Boston. He's a 6'10 power forward from Maryland. He fits the size um, measurements that we've been looking for as well as the, the offensive production. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a Celtics team, like I said earlier, that has constantly touted their draft um, assets. I think now it's time for Danny H to, to make some moves with it if he isn't if there isn't a clear choice for who we want. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think you can get a starting caliber center who's just a, a real center sized and is not shorter than LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, credit to Tice, but he's just small. Um, for that first round pick if they can't find someone. And, you know, they, they haven't really had a great history of finding guys in that middle lottery, you know, late lottery or, you know, into the playoff team selections. Like Langford, incredible in high school. I mean, have you seen his mixtapes in yeah. high school? One of the top, one of the top recruits coming yeah, out of high absolutely. school. Um, on par with like Zion, RJ Barrett, those guys that year. But, yeah, he just hasn't really. I mean, Grant Williams played some meaningful minutes, but he still is not great. Um, you know, they still have, you know, Trey Waters and, um, uh, Carson Edwards, mm-hmm. um, who could be interesting, but they just don't have a great track record picking guys up in that range. So I definitely think moving that pick could be could be advantageous. And it creates a lack of depth too if you're you're picking up kind of mediocre guys yeah. in the middle of, of the lottery range, yeah. you know, late first round, early second round. Because you look at the Celtics bench, you know, with Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward, I wouldn't say is a bench player. I think he was a bench player in that series because he's coming off an injury. But normally right. he's a starter. Yeah. And you would have, you know, Marcus Smart, for example, coming off the bench. Yeah. But that leaves you with who else on the bench? You have Taco. You have Semi Ojale. You have uh, Carson Edwards. You know, Romeo Langford, Grant yeah. Williams. Robert Williams and his canter exactly not but not not as much depth as you would expect no, from too, from a team like the Celtics. Too many guys in a close playoff series who are just unplayable, you know, just because they're too young or they're just they're not they can't go out there. Versus a team like Miami, who's got young guys who they can go out and play. Tyler Hero coming off the bench, Iguodala yeah. coming off the bench. Hero was the thirteenth pick, correct? Alinek coming off the bench. Alinek, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a good example of a team who really picked guys who have value in the playoffs. And aren't necessarily projects. I don't know if that's the Celtics model or something, but they're just they're not getting that same value. Even like going back to other teams, like you could like you know Shea Gilgis Alexander was in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like that who Landry Landry Shamet, I think you say that on the Clippers. Exactly. Yeah, guys like that who they can come off, they can play in the playoffs, and they can score and defend, and you know they can hold their own. The Celtics have not gotten guys in that range. Um, I don't know if they want to change their strategy in the draft or you know just concede and move the pick. Moving back to the Heat, though, for a second, I think the Heat have shown the NBA as a whole what the perfect example of a rebuild is. This is what the Sixers dream about at night, is this style of rebuild. Because historically, LeBron has just left devastation in his path when he leaves the team. You know, it took the Cavaliers, for the Cavaliers, it took him coming back for them to do their rebuild. And now they're first overall picks. And now they're rebuilding again with a team that is not going to do, you know, when you're building your team around Colin Sexton, not much is going to come out of that. Um, and the Heat struggled with that too, because D Wade was getting old. They right. still tried to build around him, and it's yeah. hard to build around a guy like him that's aging like that. Yeah, Bosch had health issues too. I exactly. Mean, that team really that, came to an end. The, very the quickly. big three disintegrated very fast. Yeah, they really once LeBron left. Yeah. Um, but they have done such a good job rebuilding. You know, you have guys like Duncan Robinson and Bam and Tyler Hero, who mm-hmm. all come came from the draft. You have Goran Dragic, who's a guy that has been so slept on yeah. that you picked up in a low, very low market, like a low trade. This wasn't a big blockbuster yeah. trade. This wasn't, you know, trading for Paul right. George or something yeah. like that. This is a, a very low-key deal that, that turned out huge for them in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think they are, and, and of course, signing Jimmy Butler, too, who, yeah, who is not, you know, a, a Class A superstar, although he, he needs, he gets a ton of credit for what he's done leading this team. Absolutely. But they have shown the league that you can, if you draft well and you make trades, you can rebuild pretty quickly. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a number one pick. If you're just getting guys like where the Celtics have been picking recently, outside mm-hmm. of the lottery in late first round, you can still do a pretty good job. 
Yeah, and huge credit to Eric Spolstra for integrating those guys. And Pat Riley, too. Pat Riley, I was going to say. One of, one of the greatest minds in basketball history. Um, incredible coach. Obviously, one of the best coaches ever. And now, I mean, he was already one of the best executives ever, putting that big three team together and being successful there. But, I mean, I would argue this is even more impressive, taking this team to the finals um, and beating, not through a cupcake. Like, they didn't get lucky in their opponents. This is, a like, they resoundingly beat arguably the two best teams in the conference. You can maybe say the Raptors, but I think the Celtics are probably considered better than the Raptors. And definitely the Bucks, who I think were considered the best team in the league. They beat these teams resoundingly um, with a roster that most people didn't think was a finals contender up and through, I mean, maybe last week, people didn't even think they had a chance to get to the finals. So, yeah, just just a really top-notch organization in sports. Um, you know, everyone used to joke about their fans leaving early from the games. LeBron, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just just – top-notch organization and all credit to you know pat riley and spolstra for sure in addition to the players of course who, yeah a lot really of heat fans definitely came out of the woods after this one this yeah. has brought out a lot of a lot of fans yeah very reminiscent of, of the big three era forming yeah waking up waking well, do you have up. any do you have any last thoughts here uh before, before just, we talk about the final the impending doom of, of yeah. the miami heat in the finals well who knows but yeah <laughs> i mean yeah just i mean it, so much value in the organization it's not about you know tanking or getting stars as you can see with the Clippers even and which we'll talk about later but just it's about the organization I think first and foremost and you could maybe say the Celtics need to get better I mean Brad Stevens did not adjust to the zone even they ran a zone the Raptors ran a zone against them in the previous series and I don't know just it, it definitely comes from top more so than you know making big swings on free agents or draft picks like you said well, rest in peace, the 2019-2020 Boston Celtics. Oh, man. Gone, way, gone way too soon. Sad, sad. If you, if you had told me we would have lost, we were going to lose in six games two weeks ago when the series started, I would not have believed you at all. We're, he, we're huge Celtics fans, by the <laughs> if way. you can't tell, yeah, the fact we're that we just spent over almost 20 minutes talking about yeah. the analyzing the Celtics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here lies the Boston Celtics. Yeah. All right, well, well, moving on to the NBA Finals themselves. Let's make some, let's talk about our predictions. Mm-hmm. The Lakers obviously coming in hot. They shut down the Nuggets, who were in their zone down 3-1. Everyone thought they would have been a storybook finish if they could have pulled that off. But, of yeah. course, there's no way LeBron is going to let that happen. Credit to Jamal Murray. He is emerging as a superstar. I mm-hmm. think this is this entire bubble time has been his coming out party. Absolutely. And I think from here on out, he's going to be looked at totally differently throughout the league. Absolutely. Him and Jokic are both just going to get you know older, more experienced. And getting to this point... Is huge for them. Like we said, the Celtics, you know, have kind of been here, but not with this current roster with Kemba as their leader. Um, but, you know, the, the Nuggets just making it this far um, is huge for them. And, you know, the West is still going to be super tough. Obviously, a lot of teams are kind of ascending, you know, the Suns, um, the Pelicans, arguably, obviously the Mavericks, um, Clippers will be retooled. Uh, Lakers will still be there for the next few years. Um, and But I think the Nuggets are going to be a contender for a long time. I don't know if they'll ever break through and win it. You never know. But they – they're definitely going to be very strong going forward. Let's go ahead and make some predictions, even though we've been ice cold on predictions as a podcast. Okay. Go ahead and just go out on a limb there. Aside from the the givens in this series, um, that, for example, the NBA's and Adam Silver are going to be pulling some strings. Yep. LeBron's going to get a ton of calls. Yep. And we can talk about we can talk about that, I guess, on our next show about the the Lakers call to the, the front to the NBA office saying yeah. LeBron needs more trips to the foul line. Yeah, they call the hotline. We can talk about all that. We can talk about LeBron yelling at the ref mid layup to, yeah. to call a foul. That was ridiculous. Whatever. All right, we'll, we'll get, get into that it. later. Um, where do you stand? Because I think it could be. I think it's going to be Lakers in five. I think okay. if, if they wear the Mamba jerseys all four games, it's going to be a clean sweep. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, Lakers. In that's two. that's if a cheat. Won. That's a cheat code right yeah, there. Those are so. They cool. know. They know it's a cheat code. Yeah. But I, I, I. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I'm gonna say. 
All right, I've got two scenarios. Obviously, both will be wrong, but I've still got them. I think it could be Lakers in seven or Heat in six because I just the way that the Heat have beaten these teams with their in their system and with they've got so many guys who can just go off. Whether it's Iguodala in this this game six or obviously Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson is always just I mean waiting to get ignited. Exactly. Um, Jimmy Butler, we still haven't seen really go off. I mean, he's been a steady 18, 20 points per game guy in this playoffs, but he's not gone off, really. Dragic is scoring 23, 24, 25 a game, which is crazy. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think Anthony Davis is the big impediment to this team, just clogging up the middle. And LeBron is obviously, I mean, he, he owns the finals. Um, but I don't know. I just, I feel like betting against them. So I'm, I'm going to say Heat and six. I think they're going to scheme something up. And I think it's going to be interesting. I, I say Lakers in five, and I think that depends on a, on a variety of factors. I do think that AD is um, going to absolutely dominate his matchup on on Bam Adebayo. Yeah. I think that's it's going to be silly how many points AD is going to be putting up every night, and I think that's a matchup that the Lakers know they can exploit because though Bam is is young, he's athletic, great guy, lit up the Celtics for sure. Yeah. This is far different than the Celtics team he's faced. Facing an all-star center, arguably going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. A guy that outsizes him, too, taller than taller than Bam. I think that matchup's going to get exploited heavily by the Lakers. And I don't see a strong defensive matchup for LeBron James, either. Yeah. I think that's... I'd love to see Jimmy Butler on him, just because you know that Jimmy Butler can grind and is going to get in his face and get in his ear a little bit. But I also think that the Lakers' success will depend a lot on Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green and Alex Caruso. Because I think that the Heat are going to Heat need to realize that their success is going to come from their perimeter game. Right, they aren't going to win inside. That's yeah. just so. That's when you're playing against Anthony Davis, you aren't going to win playing the post game. Yeah, they're going to need to dominate the perimeter through guys like Duncan and, and Tyler Hero and, and their three point shooting, which is where these these guards come into play. Because yeah. Kuzma and Danny Green, Danny Green especially, were non existent throughout the throughout the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference Finals. So I think if they can D up pretty well, and if they can find their rhythm on offense, especially if Danny Green gets hot, I think it, it could be over in five games. Yeah. But it, Kuzma and those, they're such a, li- such a liability. You just don't know which Kuzma, you don't know which Danny Green you're going to get. Are you going to get, you know, Raptors yeah. Danny Green, or are you going to get the new Lakers Danny Green that's just gone ice cold since he hit the bubble? Yeah, I think that's a great point about the perimeter. I think, I mean, like, I, the Heat really have won in these playoffs by just closing off the middle of the court and making teams shoot to beat them. Um, that is exponentially harder against LeBron and Anthony Davis. But, I mean, it, if they can wall off the paint and, you know, whatever, maybe they play a zone again. I don't know if that even works. But, I mean, if you're forcing LeBron and AD to keep kicking it out to Rondo, Danny Green, KCP, yeah. like, that's – you're going to have a good chance. And, mm-hmm. I mean, one another matchup I'm, I'm, I would be concerned about as a Heat fan is Rondo on Dragic. Just Rondo has shut guys down. I mean, just he's a beast in the playoffs. He's defensively, he's one of the, you know, most knowledgeable, toughest players in the league. Um, and, you know, you've heard before about, like, uh, the only guys in the league who know every team sets all their plays, all their inbounds plays, half court, whatever, are Draymond Green and Rajon Rondo. No matter what team they're on, they just know every, everything about every other team. And Rondo's just so long, he gives other guards problems. And if it's, you know... That Bam Dragic pick and roll, if that's Rondo and AD guarding that, that's a problem. That's not Daniel Tice and Kemba Walker. Exactly. That's very totally hard to exploit. Animal. Yeah, and that's been a kind of a staple for them, that that pick and roll. So 
Um, I don't know. I think Rondo could be a huge disruptor in this series. He comes alive in the playoffs. Yeah. And that being said, the Heat come in with a lot of confidence into this series. And Absolutely. you can't you can't discount that because they came with a lot of swagger into that series against the Celtics. And it was evident from game two, or evident from game one and game two, where they forced the Celtics to blow double-digit leads after after the halftime. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's important to take into account. But at the same time, LeBron is is, you know, carrying Kobe's legacy on his shoulders right now. He feels yeah. that it's kind of his weight to 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 bear and mm-hmm. you know bring the Lakers to the promised land is the only way to, to, to validate that. Yeah. So I think that is ultimately what's going to win out. You know, I think as much confidence and swagger and you know kind of like the young just the bad boys attitude that, that the Heat ha- that the Heat have, I think it pales in comparison to what the Lakers are playing for right now. Yeah, and if the Lakers do win, obviously this championship doesn't count. Um, you know, with the bubble and everything, obviously it doesn't count. Only if LeBron wins. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. It was an asterisk season once the Celtics lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's move away from the NBA for a little bit. We'll, we'll jump back into the coaching carousel after we, we cover our bases elsewhere. Um, but let's hop into to a crazy weekend of college football. College football is back officially. I can say that confidently now. A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago on the show, I was nervous to say it because I was worried I was going to jinx us. But here we are, and it's only like 60% back right now because the right. Big Ten is now coming back and the Pac-12 is now coming back. So it's we're, we're hitting full steam here at the Mac action. We're going to see some action again. Yeah, oh yeah. It's, everyone's coming back now. Um, but some crazy games, some crazy upsets. Um, I'll start with, with Texas beating Texas Tech in OT. They were down 15 points with three minutes to play. Texas playing with Sam Ellinger, who is a, a Heisman contender, mm-hmm. according to ESPN, because you know ESPN does like the percentages of, of who's you know who's going to win. Yeah. At one point, when they had that lead with three minutes to play, Texas Tech had, was had a ninety nine percent chance of winning, and Texas came back, uh, scored fifteen unanswered, and then won an OT. Wow! Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable game. What is what is Texas ranked this year? Are they ranked? I think they're top ten. Top ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Insane game. Sam Sam Ellinger with the famous two years ago, the Longhorn Nation. We're back. We're back. And yeah. then yeah. they were back, but maybe this time you never know. <laughs> and you you watch this game too. The Kansas State uh, huge upset over Oklahoma. Second yeah. year in a row they've done it. Yeah, definitely a tough start to Spencer Rattler's career. You know, kind of taking over for that just uh, factory of awesome quarterbacks with you know mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts last year, obviously Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Lincoln Riley's a mastermind yeah. developing those guys. Yeah, but I mean, I thought that, you know, Oklahoma kind of looked a little poorly coached. I mean, they, you know, threw picks, especially the one at the end. They had the blocked punt, uh, I think a fumble or two. Um, just uh, Kansas State playing super hard, and, you know, they beat them last year. Only team beat them before LSU, you know, hit them pretty good in the playoffs. Um, but... I don't know. If, if I'm Lincoln Riley, you know, you don't want to lose those games. Very frustrating to lose the same team twice in a row um, when you're, you know, you should be competing for a national title. Um, and it will be very interesting to see kind of Spencer Rattler, who is their highest ranked prospect coming in. Like those previous three guys were incredible college players. They were not ranked as high as Spencer Rattler, who's the number one quarterback and I, maybe number one overall uh, recruit coming in two years ago. Um, so I don't know. Just just interesting to see them retool. I think they'll be fine. I mean, hopefully they get it together. Obviously, shortened off season, but. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That, uh, it'd be interesting to see them recover from these games. Yeah, despite their offensive weapons, I still think it's safe to say that their defense sucks, just yeah. like it did last year. Uh, they allowed 38 points from Kansas State. They allowed 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's just insane. I think the craziest stat, though, from that game is that Kansas State is now 1-1, one and one, and the two te- games they've played are against Oklahoma and Arkansas State. <laughs> Gosh, they play up to their competition, <laughs> I guess, down as well. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, and another crazy upset in the SEC, Mississippi State beating uh, number six LSU. Beat them by 10, too. 
wasn't even like a nail biter like um, the Kansas State Oklahoma game was. It came down to literally the last drive. Yeah. KJ Costello, the Mississippi State quarterback, had 623 yards and five touchdowns. He beat Mike Dak, Leach. Mike Leach. <laughs> beat, yeah. Beat Dak Prescott's old record. I think it's pretty safe to say that LSU is is in shambles in the post pro era. Yeah, I mean, they lost, what was it, like 13 draft picks in the NFL? NFLSU, I, mean, I forget what, I think that's yeah. what they call it. Yeah, I mean, last year, that that was like an NFL roster that they had. Obviously, Burrow, you know, throwing, what, 60 touchdowns, incredible. But their receivers um, were just, uh, across the board, their offense loaded with first-round guys, defense loaded with draft picks. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit to be expected. It's hard to recover from that, even for a program like that, who's consistently getting five-star guys to come in. But last season was just such a special year for them on all sides, all areas of the team. Um, you know, Coach O obviously is back. Um, Love him. Yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> Love him. Um, but, yeah, it's just a little bit coming down back to earth from a season that I think that was the best college football team ever, in my opinion. I put them up against, you know, any of those Miami teams or old school Nebraska, whoever. Um, so, yeah, just kind of coming down back to earth from just being in the complete stratosphere of college football last year. Yeah, cer- certainly a dream team and, and- – Burrow has been holding his own in the NFL, and we'll get yeah. into his play a little later. But I think it's safe to say, and I'm going to use a little bit of a of COVID lingo to, to put this softly. I think Miles Brennan has opted out of the draft as of right now, mm-hmm. or at least opted out of being like a first round quarterback pick. Yeah, two interceptions in that game, an abysmal performance. That that being said, not working with the weapons that Burrow had last year. Yeah. Um, but he's a junior, man. I by the time you hit this this point in college and you're this highly touted, it's kind of expected that you're going to be able to perform at a high level against against yeah. high opponents in the I mean, SEC. Burrow took until his you know fifth year in college to be incredible. That's so fair. you know he wasn't great as a as a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, incredible redshirt senior year. But you never know. Maybe you got to you got to get a couple years being okay, yeah. and then you're. You know, the best player ever. Yeah. Who knows? And another big matchup in the SEC, Texas A&M, who's, I guess, ranked top 10. I don't know if they are anymore. But they squeaked past Vandy. It was 17-12. to 12. Uh, Tough game. Tough watch. Tough watch, for sure. I don't know if this shows that the SEC is, is really deep and that, you know, wow, Vandy's competitive against a top team, or just COVID has made every team awful. Yeah. Because there's, like, practice is so different and, you know, everyone's so late getting to training camp and all yeah. that stuff, conditioning. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to think of it. The, the, I, I lean more towards just the SEC is super deep. I mean, and just them only playing conference only schedule, that is brutal. To go up every week against a team, you know, uh, at least half of them are probably ranked. I mean, mm-hmm. just loaded teams week after week, no break with, you know, an Arkansas State or a, you know, uh, Florida Atlantic or, well, they're okay. But, you know what I mean? There, there's just no breaks. You don't get that FCS opponent. You don't get those warm-up games. Bama doesn't get their, their cupcake game yet to sit at all. Yeah. With like two no. weeks left in the season. Yeah, they're exactly. Little, they're a little sprinkled in non-conference game. Exactly. you got to just be ready every week, which is just an adjustment for these teams. And you, you can't, like, you know, you, you play Texas A&M one week. Next week you're playing Bama. Next week you're playing Auburn. Like, that, that's just brutal. Um, it takes a toll uh, mentally, too, for guys who are, you know, used to winning eight, nine games a season, even if they're not really contenders in the SEC. But they're still a great football team. Well, we hinted at Burrow earlier. Let's move into the NFL weekend recap. Um, my first thought after watching all the games this weekend is that the MVP is, is Russell Wilson's to lose right now. He had 315 yards and five TDs against the Cowboys. He has nine touchdowns and one interception on the season thus far. I think that's up. I think that's not including the five so, touchdowns. Yeah, so now it's up even more. He's got 14 touchdown Insane. passes already. Yeah, it's yeah, the I most ever. It, it is his, it's definitely his to lose. Yeah, well, I mean... And Josh Allen might have a little something to say about that in Buffalo. I don't know. I don't know. But but I agree. Circle I mean, the wagons. Wilson is playing incredible. I think they're leading the league in passing on first down, which is, you know, a big 
credit to the let Russ cook movement in Seattle yeah. where, you know, they're like Pete Carroll, stop running the ball all the time and have Russ save you in the fourth quarter. The, like, the only time he needed to run the ball was at the goal line against yeah, the Patriots uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big <laughs> but, Patriots but, but fan as well. You're fine so I think that. that was you're the right call. No, that was the right yeah, call. Yeah. yeah. People, people get on Carroll about that. It was the right call. Um, but yeah, he's playing incredible. They finally just unleashed him. He's on pace for what, like 73 touchdowns on the year. Um, obviously would destroy the record by Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a scary team and him, he's throwing the ball incredibly. DK Metcalf has just come into his own as a deep threat. Um, you know, bodied up Stephon Gilmore last week, obviously. Um, but yeah, Seahawks look scary. And we gave a eulogy earlier for the Boston Celtics. I guess it's time to give another one for the career of, of Mitchell Trubisky. Um, the the Mitch era is uh, is done. It seems in in Chicago. He was one and eight on third. He got pulled, I guess, from their game over the weekend. Um, Nick Foles is now the new starter officially. Okay. That's being reported today. I guess yeah. Yeah, their head coach has, has confirmed it. Um, sad way to go out though. He was one for eight on third downs in that game. He overthrew, had a bunch of missed passes downfield on wide open guys. The pinnacle of his career was back in 2018 when they went 12 and four and everyone hopped on the Mitch train Yeah, and it slowly but steadily crumbled apart. So yeah. our thoughts and prayers go out to, to the career of Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it's just that he's in a tough spot. I mean, drafted so high. I think he was like, what, third overall, maybe? He was second overall. Second overall. Out of UNC. Yeah. A notorious quarterback powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, rival of Daniel Jones over Duke. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just tough. It's just in this era, it's like NFL teams want to, you know, get guys on rookie contracts, so they're really reaching on quarterbacks. I mean, you could even argue that Jared Goff was a reach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy who's Super Bowl and is looking pretty good this season. But, yeah, he's put in a tough spot. Expected to be, you know, a guy come in and take him far because he's on a rookie deal. Their defense is incredible. Um, yeah, it's not like they have great skill players or anything, but they're not bad. And, you know, Nick Foles just keeps hanging around the league. I yeah. mean, he's like he's not a starter for anyone. He's always that backup, but he's a good player, man. I mean, he is. yeah. And this, this, in my opinion, was the perfect situation for the, for the, for the Bears just because they let Trubisky compete, play for his job, but they mm. didn't lose any games in the process. Yeah. Like, this didn't cost them anything. It's true. They're 3-0. Like yeah. They're 3-0. Yeah. Like, he had some bad performances, but at the end of the day, it didn't cost them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they emerged from this unscathed with their new quarterback, and I think it was a perfect, perfect idea by them to roll with this. Yeah, that's true. If you told Bears fans a while ago that they'd be 3-0 and and Trubisky would be benched, uh, I don't know if they'd believe yeah. you. But, I mean, the team is coming together. I mean, they've had some good wins, and – be interesting. Be interesting to see how the season shapes out with Foles now as the full-time starter. And moving on to my next point here, my next note I have, I've given up on the Washington football team. Did it's you say over. that last week and the week before? No, no, no. I was I was high on them after that week, week oh, one comeback. Eagles, Eagles last suck. week it was like, okay, we're coming down to earth a little bit. Um, but, yeah, they lost 34-20 to to the Browns. They yeah. gave up 17 unanswered in the second quarter and another 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter. They had so many close moments, and they had so there were so many like what if moments, which yeah. is what pains any DC sports fan. There's so many like drops, you know, Dwayne Haskins throwing an interception, you know, someone stepping out of bounds. There's so many like little things where if it had switched around, it would have been perfect. But yeah. where they're at right now, it, it, I don't have a lot of faith. Yeah, it's a tough spot. I mean, Dwayne Haskins is obviously, you know, was great in college, but also throwing to wide open guys. Um, Just doesn't really look like he's ready to be thrust into this role. On another team, he would get to kind of chill as a backup, learn a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough, 
tough spot. And again, kind of like, you know, in all sports, same way that the heat starts from the top, this also starts from the top. Dan yeah. Snyder is just not a good owner. I yeah. mean, it, awful. Yeah, it's really hard to do anything when ownership is just not interested in running an efficient organization. No, they, they, in my opinion, they won't be good until he sells the team. I think yeah. that's what, that is what is necessary at this point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. That, on, on, the, on the flip side, the Browns have nothing to celebrate here. I hope that, I hope Browns fans know that. They're above 500, fine, but you've beat, beaten the Bengals and the Washington football team as your two wins after getting blown out by the Ravens in week one. Yeah. They don't, I mean, I feel like this is a, it sure it's a victory given their, their, their history as a, as a franchise, but at the same time, your, your wins aren't really coming with much, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, these aren't really big wins for the team. These aren't big morale boosters. You know, these are little yeah. cupcake wins. This is, this is two of like six wins total for the year for them. I mean, yeah. once they get into, you know, the Ravens Steelers, they got to play them twice. Um, I just don't really see this team going anywhere, despite, obviously, you know, they look loaded on paper as they have for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, Baker's just still kind of inaccurate. Um, looks like he's indecisive throwing sometimes. Um, so, yeah, uh, kind of one of the least interesting games in the league this week. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, didn't come as close to being as brutal as the uh, the Bengals-Eagles game. Yeah. Joe Burrow's been balling out. I'll give, I'll give him a lot of credit. Um, he had 312 yards and two touchdowns, but that game was awful. Ended in a tie, first tie of the season. Ties are always brutal. That's one of my least favorite rules about the NFL is the yeah. overtime rules. Um, I think it should be college where just, you just go back and forth. That's that more kind of, fun. Yeah, it's so much more fun, so much more entertaining. You remember that, the college football playoff where it was Oklahoma and Georgia and they just kept going back and forth in OT? Yeah, it's yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. You know, it's like it's sudden death. It's, yeah. it's so exciting. It's so much more exciting than just putting like – 10 minutes on the clock and letting the teams play like it's basketball. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't really work for football. This, yeah, this game felt like it was going to be a tie as soon as they started OT. It just didn't seem like either team could move the ball. 10 minutes of nothing, though. And of, yeah. and the Eagles also, they had, they had their chance. They had a, a, a game-winning field goal attempt. Yeah. And right before they snapped the ball, they got a false start. Right. And then they couldn't even get back to the huddle after that. They got to delay a game. They yeah. just got moved back like yeah. 15 yards just through those. It was already like a 50-yard field goal. Yeah, it was 59. 59. So, yeah, 10 yards at that point, it's yeah. just, it becomes a punt. It's just teams punting back and forth to each other for 10 minutes. No one likes that. Yeah. It's the, just, it was awful. The Eagles have really kind of fallen off from yeah. you know the, their Super Bowl win. I mean, even though they've kept a good chunk of their roster, a good chunk of their defense, obviously Wentz you know, wasn't – Playing in that Super Bowl, but he got them, you know, in the regular season. I think they were thirteen and three that year, and he was a big part of that, an MVP contender if he had stayed healthy. Um, I'm, I think he, uh, I don't know if I believe in him anymore. Nick Foles, I think, is making the Eagles miss him a lot. Yeah, his, especially how he played on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, that's sacrilegious to talk about in Philly to be a Nick Foles guy instead yeah. of a Wentz guy. Yeah. But, I mean, Wentz just, he looks inaccurate. He looks like he fumbles too much. He doesn't look like he makes good decisions. I mean, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He's huge. He can throw the ball well. He's a good mm-hmm. leader. But, I don't know, and he's had, he's had huge seasons where they win. But I, I, he just hasn't been able to recapture that magic. You can argue it's injuries, maybe. But, you know, uh, a guy like Tom Brady, for example, can carry a team through injuries to, you know, potentially even a first-round buy in the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. This this Eagles team is just—it's been a sharp fall off since their Super Bowl. Well, do you think it's it's Jalen Hurts time? That would be exciting. I mean, It'd I'd be rather fun. I'd watch that game if it was Jalen Hurts. I don't want to watch the Eagles right now. I know. I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a good dude. I mean, yeah. really respect. You know, he went to Oklahoma, left Bama on good terms, and him coming, you know, mentoring Tua and coming back in in that SEC title game. He's awesome, and I would totally tune in to watch them. You know, they kind of try and use him in like uh, you know special packages exactly. and stuff. But I don't know. I definitely. I, as a non-Eagles fan, I would like to see him, 
but you also, I think you have to ride with Carson once while he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't really, I think their hands are tied there. They kind of, he's their man. I get that. They've committed to that. So as exciting as it would be to see Hertz and, you know, he was a second round pick. He's a valuable player, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think Wentz is the guy until injury or maybe complete fall off, something like that. But it's just because he doesn't look good doesn't mean that you can, you know, turn away from him now. Well, moving into arguably the game of the week, the Packers uh, and the Saints, the Packers pulling out that win in New Orleans. Very impressive performance. Aaron Rodgers with three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had two touchdowns on his own. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers just conf- continues to defy father time and prove his worth as a quarterback. Yeah. Just, you know, you can talk, say whatever you want about his personal life, of course, but <laughs> on the field, he's a, he's an animal. Yeah, I mean, he's I, I think he's kind of reemerged this year. I mean, the past few years, he kind of, I think he's coasted on his reputation. He's gotten hurt, and he's kind of been, statistically, he's been a league average quarterback for the last, like, three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely coming alive this year. I mean, last year, I think they went 13-3, and three, got that first round by. But they had, like, the lowest margin of victory. Like, if you, I think there's something you can adjust for margin of victory, and they were really more like an 8-8 eight eight team that just got lucky or closed games out. And so a lot of people picked them to kind of regress this year out of teams that did well last year. But they look good. Are they 3-0? Yeah, they're three and zero. Yeah, something like yeah. Either yeah. three and zero or two and one with good victories. And mm-hmm. on the flip side, the Saints are now one and two, right? I mean, Rough. yeah, losses to you know the 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 Packers, somewhat understandable. It's a big game, obviously high scoring. It was close, but a loss to the the Raiders last week kind of looks bad now that they're sitting yeah. at one and two with a well, team that's loaded. Also, think if, if this trend continues and they they you know aren't or are barely above five hundred or at five hundred, I think this is Breeze's last year. Yeah, I don't think he's you know with how old he is and how banged up he is, I don't think it's worth his time at this point to right. sit through another semi-rebuild or just another, you know, grueling season of, of mediocrity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if they're going 8-8, eight and eight, you know, whatever, 10-6, uh, and ten and six, like, I don't know, especially with Brady now and win-now mode. Um, exactly. Division's hot. Like, the Falcons are supposed to be good, but, you know, they're not. Panthers don't look good either. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if they can claw back and finish strong, maybe get that bye again, I think he comes back because, you know, the roster is still loaded. I mean, that is a really loaded Taysom roster. Taysom, Michael Thomas. Yeah, Michael Thomas, Kamara, um, obviously. Kamara, yeah, yeah, that one long touchdown was incredible last insane. night. Breaking tackles, it's incredible. Great. Reminded me of Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, if I'm, and Drew Brees just does not look good. He can be like that, you know, last year Peyton Manning guy on a loaded team. Um but if they're not, like, again, if they're 8-8, eight and eight, they're playing a division round for this year, I don't see why he comes back just to, you know, keep that risk of injury. His arm does not look as good. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree. This could be his last year if they don't get it together. That being said, I do feel like Breeze is going to be the guy that wants to go out on top, like Peyton Manning. I don't know. If that, yeah. Of course, that's going to take a, a – I'm sure that's not going to happen this year. It might take a few years before that happens. Yeah. But he just strikes me as the kind of guy that even if he gives up his starting spot, he would just stay there just so he could go out as, like, the champion. He strikes me as that kind of guy. I mean – Just, like, so married to the game that there's no other way to go out than on top. I get that. Yeah. I also – I just – I feel like he's not going to have that opportunity. Like no, Peyton Manning did where he yeah. was incredible at that 55-touchdown season – and he comes back, and you know he's not good, but he can carry them over the finish line because they're just so loaded. I mean, one of the most loaded teams besides quarterback uh, in recent memory. Breeze, I don't know if he's going to have that opportunity. I mean, really, the last probably two or three years, they should have like that. Those are teams that should have won when he was playing much better, like an, at an MVP level. This year doesn't really seem like he's there again, and the team has to pick him up, and they're just not doing it. Um, at least now, you know, one and two is definitely not the end of the world for them. I think they will pick it up. I think their division is weaker than people expected. Um, I think they should beat the Falcons, should beat the Panthers. 
And, you know, who knows if Tom can get it together down in Tampa, but uh, they already beat them once and they looked a lot better coached and more organized than the Buccaneers. So I don't think they give up hope. Um, but I also think Breeze should give up hope at going out on top. I, I don't know if that's going to be an option for him. Yeah. Definitely lots to look forward to in the next couple weeks of NFL and, and so many underlying storylines, whether it's, you know, Tom Brady new in, in Tampa Bay or Breeze weighing his retirement on the outcome of this season. There's yeah. so many like cool things to look for, for yeah. sure. Also, a little we're recording this on Monday night, September 28th, right before the Ravens-Chiefs Monday night matchup, which is going to be sick to watch. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, two of the probably, arguably the two best teams in the league coming into the season. Pale, pales in comparison to the Thursday night football game of, of Jets-Broncos. That's... Oh, man. You want to watch that together? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that one might, might draw some more eyeballs than this one, honestly. Yeah, i got to get my homework done for that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Anytime the Jets are playing, it's electric. Adam Gase, hyper, Adam Gase. putting the uh, the offense on hyperdrive or yeah, whatever he said. Yeah, brilliant. Anytime you get a chance <laughs> to see an Adam Gase offense, you got to tune in. It's must-watch TV. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, well, pivoting to our last bit of sports news before we move into segments for today's show, let's talk about the NBA coaching carousel. Because as you said, we're, we're pre-recording this before it airs officially on WLUR. But at the time of this recording, breaking news from Woj, Doc Rivers and the Los Angeles Clippers have parted ways, yeah. which leaves a huge coaching vacancy for a win-now team. Right. It's kind of expected at this point um, that the Sixers are going to land Mike D'Antoni, mm-hmm. um, and we could get into that after we talk about Doc, but this Clippers team has a, a list of the usual suspects to fill, yeah, right. a very short list. It's Ty Lue and, and Jeff Van Gundy, uh, but what do you th- I don't know what to make of this, because I feel like, first off, you know, Doc Rivers is a heck of a coach. Mm-hmm. What he did for the Celtics was incredible, um, but just seeing it all get dismantled so quickly, and especially yeah. a team that is a win-now team. You don't want to interrupt their consistency. You want to you know, keep things as, as stable as possible and right. keep as close to the same group as possible. I don't know what to make of this because I feel like that goes against everything they did in putting all their assets into building a team around Paul George and Kawhi. Yeah, I definitely think it's a big indictment of Doc Rivers. And, you know, Kawhi choosing the Clippers, Doc was a big reason for that. He wanted mm-hmm. to go to a championship coach, defensive-minded, players coach like Doc. Um and the fact that they're parting ways means, I think, more so Kawhi is parting ways with him, which is huge. Um, Kawhi obviously did not play great in the playoffs. Um, maybe this means that he's chalking that up to, you know, Doc's coaching. And, you know, they just couldn't stop the Nuggets, who, you know, obviously played incredible this postseason. But everyone expected the Clippers and the Lakers to face off in the conference finals. Um, so I definitely think it's a big indictment on Doc. I think he probably could get another coaching job in the league. He's just such a high-profile coach. Players love him. Um but, you know, and, and to your point about, like, you know, blowing up a win-now team, this next season for the Clippers is, like, ultra win-now because Kawhi and PG have those opt-outs after this season, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they have, you know, technically four-year deals, but it's really a two-year deal with player options for the next two. So, this, they've got to get this right. And, you know, Doc was just not, they weren't they weren't going to commit to another year of trying to make the system work. It's I definitely see a guy like Ty Lue coming in who it's like, just manage the stars, let them do their thing. Exactly. And a very laissez-faire coach. Yeah. Less, less Ubuntu, the Doc Rivers yeah. team and more like let, let Kawhi cook, let PG yeah. cook, whatever that means now. He's not very good. Well, I mean, <laughs> Pand- he, pandemic P. Yeah. Pan- bubble, bubble P. Not, <laughs> not great. Hopefully he can return to form a little bit, but I, this is uh, going to be a huge selection for them. I think. Yeah. I think it's, the most interesting part of this has been seeing the, the Twitter rumor mill get going ever since the Woj news broke. I've seen Phil Jackson. I've seen Popovich. I've seen <laughs> the Celtics getting Doc Rivers and letting go of Brad Stevens, uh, like re-ushering in the 08 era. Yeah. 
just so much fun to watch. Also, uh, back to what the Celtics said, I fired up the trade machine the other day. Oh, yeah? Of course, you know, watching game six gets out of that fourth quarter. Once we were down like 10 with a minute left, went on the trade machine. Right, of course. I wanted yeah. to get, get your opinion on this. Okay. Hayward and the draft pick this year for Blake Griffin. The trade machine let it happen. It went through. And the Pistons are projected to get 12 more wins, and we're projected to get 12 less wins. Hmm. I don't know if I entirely believe that. I don't know if I would give up the pick. Yeah, I don't. What's Blake Griffin's contract situation? No clue. Okay, I just, I just salary. I went, through, I went through big men in the NBA. I was like yeah. Blake Griffin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Blake Griffin a lot. I'm a big yeah. fan. I used to wear his shoes when I played uh, uh-huh. high school basketball. Um, but, he was insane. Jumping yeah, over Kia. So cool, man. So Bob cool. City, one of the greatest teams that ever was. Coming in as a rookie and just dunking everything yeah. is awesome. But. I don't know. We'd have to talk about that more often. Yeah. But definitely <laughs> definitely trade machine time for the Celtics. Definitely but, trade machine. What, but back to the, the Twitter rumor mill. Yeah. Some crazy names getting thrown out there. I, Popovich would be insane. That would be That's like yeah. bringing back like a broken family. That's like that's like the parent like the parent trap with yeah. Lindsay Lohan, but basketball edition. Yeah. Bringing back trying to trick Kawhi and yeah. Popovich into yeah. rekindling their relationship. Yeah. Pat Pat Bev as the Olsen twins there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Palmer as the Olsen yeah, twins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I my least favorite name. I'll just say this um, is Jeff Van Gundy on this. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm sick of him as an announcer, and I also think that it's hard to go from coach to announcer for this has been at least ten years. He's been in the booth, yeah. back to coaching. I mean, the league has evolved so much. You hear him complain all the time about the modern league. I don't know if that's the right move. I mean, he had you know a great Knicks team that overachieved, obviously, in what like '99, year after MJ left. Um, but I just I don't like that pick. I think that Ty Lue would be my clubhouse favorite. I think that makes sense. Um, Phil Jackson would be one of the most interesting stories in the league. Well, especially back. given that he hasn't done succeeded well in, in the modern era of basketball. No. He did well with Kobe and the Lakers, but with the Knicks where he had to rebuild and yeah. you know, put together something, he floundered. Yeah. It's he, easy when you're playing with Kobe and, and his like established team. Yeah. But this is a team that I feel like is not on that same level as, as Kobe's title teams. Yeah, I mean I assume he would try and run the triangle, which yeah. I mean I think the triangle's an awesome system. But, but it's it's Do it, those guys want to buy into that system if you're yeah. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? It's just yeah. a totally different era of basketball. And yeah. it's just their personnel doesn't really match up with that. I mean, like, you know, uh, uh you'd have Kawhi, I assume, play the kind of Kobe role, which I, I can't diagram it up for you. But mm-hmm. And then PG, kind of, I don't know where he fits in on that. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. If Phil Jackson would be incredible going back to coach against the Lakers again. Would be crazy. I think Ty Lue is the move. I don't like Jeff Van Gundy in this spot either. Um, I think he's fine on television. Um, yeah, is Mark Jackson getting floated, or is he just off, I, off, off, off the fit? I, yeah. From what Woj just said, it looks like the short list right now is just Van Gundy and, and Ty Lue. Interesting. What and about Kenny Smith? I have no clue. See, Ty Lue was already on the staff this year with the Clippers, right. which is why people think it would be a natural thing for him to kind of rise up and take a spot. But they could also want to just get away from everything related to this year. Exactly, just blow it up. Yeah. Blow up the coaching staff. Huh. Well, we'll keep you all updated on this and, of course, talk more about Tony as, as more news comes out with there. Hopefully get, get friend of the show Eric Grecke on soon, our yeah. resident diehard Philadelphia fan. Absolutely. He's um, got a lot to say, and we're all ears. Yeah. Yeah. Still still in shambles after that, that Sixers loss. Yeah. But let's get into segments. Let's embrace debate. We don't have much time left on the show, so let's run with just one quick segment real quick, and let's embrace debate. Is Paul, Do you think Paul Pierce is delusional? 
No. Because he is a, he now has his on-air spot with ESPN, mm-hmm. but he is the biggest Celtic homer there is. Yeah. Every game after the Celtics, you know, it was, all right, he, you know, Celtics in four. All right, now Celtics in five. All right, Celtics in six. Okay, Celtics yeah. in seven. You know, every Celtics game. Celtics in eight. Celtics I remember nine. watching yeah. watching the pregame show. They wouldn't even let him say his pick. They'd just be like, Paul, we know who you're picking. Like, Jalen Rose, you go ahead. Yeah. Like, they just didn't even let him talk. Yeah. And now everyone's dunking on him. D Wade put out some video literally being like, you know where I live, like come and talk to me. <laughs> Tyler Hero went off on him because he, he said that Tyler Hero wasn't a bucket until he averages twenty points a game. I don't think Paul Paul Pierce even averaged twenty points per game, like over the entirety oh. of his career. Yeah, maybe counting his like yeah. clippers. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah, journeyman. But I I mean, I'm a big Paul Pierce fan. That was the first jersey I ever got. So I feel an obligation to defend him mm-hmm. in all these specific, you know, there was the big thing last year, like he said his career was better than Dwayne Wade's. A lot of people said that was delusional. I had to defend him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was an incredible player. I like that he's kind of like a goofy on TV, just yeah. Homer, like, you know, um, we'll kind of talk smack. He doesn't go with the flow. Like everyone was on the Tyler Hero train and yeah. he was like, eh, he's not a bucket. Not a bucket, yeah. Which I agree with that point, to be honest with you. That's right. I, mean, I, th- I would say in that series, though, he was. Yeah, I feel like J- saying his whole career he's been a bucket. Maybe you can, you know, maybe his college days he was, but until yeah. this series, I think this is where he kind of had his, his coming out party. Yeah, but so, I digress. You keep going. Yeah, I, I just I I like Paul Pierce. I like that he doesn't you know just ride the wave. I like that he's kind of a contrarian and he makes fun of himself. You know, uh, the infamous you know admitting to faking an injury in Game One of the 08 Finals. Um, yeah, he's just a goofy guy, and he was such a good player that I, I give him a pass. Yeah, I I, like I, I I do think he's he's a little bit of I wouldn't say he's delusional as an, an analyst. I would just say he's a delusional Celtics fan. Yeah, fair enough. He's the guy who's always going to ride with the Celtics no matter what the odds are. Yeah. You know, it could literally be like the Monstars versus the Celtics, and he would be like Celtics in four. Yeah, you know? yeah, and he would hammer that. That being said, I think he is infinitely easier to defend than Kendrick Perkins. Absolutely. Because he has a very good track record against some of the best talent in the NBA. Yeah. I think the one person he really can't go after is LeBron. As long as he doesn't tread on LeBron, I think everything else is fair game for him. He he did a little bit last yeah, week when he said... It's, yeah. And I just kind of like cringe. I'm like, you... The comments on Twitter and on Instagram is going to be, you know, LeBron's stat line with you guarding him. And yeah. You know, spoiler alert, it's a pretty good stat line. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I get his point. He, if For those who missed it, he said that, you know, back in his day that guys weren't scared of LeBron, and now players in the league are scared of LeBron, and it impacts how they play against him. Yeah. I definitely think there's some truth to that. I mean, LeBron did leave Cleveland and form the Big Three because he couldn't get through the Big Three in Boston mm-hmm. in Cleveland, which is fair enough. I mean, the, the Boston Big Three with Ray Allen, Pierce, and KG was kind of an artificially formed, some you know, similar to the, the Big Three in Miami. Um but I, there's definitely a point. I mean, a guy like, you know, they see LeBron, he's incredible in high school, he's 18, comes in and they're, you know, stopping him in the playoffs. Nowadays, you got guys who, I mean, LeBron made a joke about how, you know, uh, young guys, like I think, uh, uh, who was it, Trey Young was at his house this summer playing basketball with his kids and they're closer mm-hmm. in age and he called he called Savannah, uh, LeBron's wife, he called her Auntie Savannah. And LeBron was like, man, what's going on here? Like, I'm not the old man. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some truth to that. Again, I'm uh, sorry, I'm just defending Paul Pierce, but... I don't know. He's definitely, you're right about being just an irrational Celtics homer. All right, well, let's finish things up. We'll finish with our music segment. And for those of you that are new to the show, Cole and I met, given our mutual love of music, yeah. uh, particularly Kanye West and, and rap music as a whole. Yeah. And so we'd like to finish off every show with a little segment about what's going on in music, new music that we like. And today we're going to talk about Travis Scott's new song, Franchise, that released, I guess, last week or over the weekend. Um, features from Young Thug and MIA. Mm-hmm. It's rumored to be one of like the first singles 
from uh, his rumored album called Utopia. No one knows if that's the official name, but he's name dropped that many times. Yeah. What'd you think about it? The music video was cool. Shot at Jordan, Michael Jordan's mansion. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. I thought it was a good song. I was definitely a little surprised by the uh, MIA feature. I wasn't I like, a... I like her normally. Yeah. Like Paper Planes was one of my favorite songs so, in high school. Such a great song. So many memories with that such song. Such a great song. She doesn't really mesh with, with him and Young Thug. Though. Yeah. It didn't really fit it. Did you see that video he posted on Twitter of him and Young Thug working on the song? Yeah. That looks so cool. Yeah. Reminiscent. You ever seen the video of them working on uh, Skyfall? or yes. him and Metro? That's the coolest video. It's so cool. I love that. But so I was definitely a little disappointed to see her on there just because I was expecting a, you know, Travis Young Thug, like banger of all bangers. I thought her part was not that bad. Um, and I did, I thought the beat was awesome and, you know, it was a good song. I'd definitely yeah. play it, yeah. If this is the lead single off the new album, I think this is going to be a good album. Yeah. I do think, though, and I said this about, about Highest in the Room as well, when I first heard it, I think it's a very, like, generic Travis Scott song. He didn't take yeah. any artistic risks in this song. Yeah. And I feel like that's notoriously what's made him such a, a good artist is the way he takes risks and implements new sounds into... His music, 90210 is such a generic example, but in, you know, putting in electric guitar and yeah. like piano samples and like vocals in the back, Absolutely. very Kanye-esque. That's what I kind of like to see from him. And so I hope he, on the album at least, he takes more chances. I get that with a single, you're just trying to put something out that's easy for everyone to like, so everyone buys the album. Yeah. But I kind of want to, I hope to see some more diversity from his, from his sound. Yeah. I, I would also say that like the supposed single off his, off Astroworld was Watch with Lil Uzi and Kanye, yeah. which did not really end up sounding like Astroworld. So exactly. you never know. This could just know. be a fun one-off song with Young Thug and yeah. then, you know, the album's going to sound completely different. That's true. I will, we'll, we'll wrap things up right there. I guess Butterfly, we've decided that, that uh, Butterfly Effect is going to be our outro song. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to, have, excited to have that come in but thank you all so much for tuning in uh, check out our website anchor.fm slash gotta take this I'm Crawford Humphreys he is Cole Heisner you can check out our podcast wherever podcasts are available we're on Google Podcasts Spotify Apple Podcasts um, but check out our website again it's anchor.fm slash gotta take this it's got all the links you can find all the details um, and all of our episodes there so thank you all so much for tuning in this has been Gotta Take This on WLUR Lexington. We'll see y'all next time. For this life I cannot change. In the hills, deep off in the main. Eminem, sweet like candy cane. Drop the top, pop it, let it bang. For this life I cannot change. In the hills, deep off in the main. Eminem, sweet like candy cane. Drop the top, pop it, let it bang. Pop it, pop it. Drop the top, play hide and seek. Jump inside, jump straight to the lead. Take a sip, feel just how I be. On freeway, but no, ain't nothing free. Been laws, been lanes. Been busting bills, but still ain't nothing changed. You in the mob, soon as you rock the chain. Caught the waves, just thumbing through my brains. Right. He